welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 249 for Monday, June 12th, 2023. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorus, and joining me as always is a sunbrood, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. I'm steeping in all of the garden knowledge that we've been talking about in The Render Distance, which is the extended version of the podcast. Uh, you can get that at the Spawn Chunks on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash The Spawn Chunks to be specific. And that's where we talk about just the kind of things that we've been up to. Uh, on Mondays, it's often what we've been up to on the weekend. And Pixarus was doing a lot of gardening. We have uh, our summer meal planning as well as staying hydrated and staying active when it is uh, hotter than Hades armpit outside, depending on where you are in the world. And uh, we've got a few perks for our patrons coming up this month. The Chunk Mail Dispenser is coming up later on this month, and that's where we focus on emails from our listeners. If you'd like to send an email in, that email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing what our community thinks about the Trails and Tales update. The monthly Minecraft Hangout is this month and is getting bumped to Friday, June 30th at 10 a.m. Atlantic or 2 p.m. British time. That's where we will be chatting with our Discord community about what they've been building in Minecraft. And we're looking forward, of course, to seeing some Tales and Trails builds there too. Yes. that backwards, but that's not the first <laughs> or last time it's going to happen. Absolutely not. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what everyone's been building with cherry wood and bamboo. Already seen a couple of really cool builds popping up in the Your Base channel, which is where people share screenshots of their builds throughout the week. So the Discord is a really great place to be if anybody's interested in joining a community that's really actively talking about the new updates, then patreon.com slash the spawn chunks uh we also have an unofficial spawn chunks event to announce uh joel and i will be joining uh dr heather christie who appeared on episode 211 of the show they are archeo plays on youtube and twitter and uh, minecraft developer allraf is going to be joining us we're going to do a twitch stream in which we excavate a trail ruins structure the new one that's been added for the trails and tales update uh, for those of you listening asynchronously if you're not listening to the show right away it's going to be on june 13th at 7 p.m uk time that's 3 p.m. Atlantic, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Adjust for your time zone accordingly. That's probably going to be on both mine and Joel's Twitch channels. I presume all Raff and Archeo plays will be streaming as well, or at least recording it in some capacity. So if you've missed the date itself, uh, check out the VODs, because I'm sure they'll be linked around here somewhere. And uh, yeah, tune in for some Trails and Tales excavation with a real live archaeologist. Which we cannot yet poke in the arm, but virtually mm -hmm. we can mm -hmm. we can Minecraft punch in the shoulder, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, all right, so let's talk about what's new in our Minecraft lives. I know you're not updated to 1.20 on the Citadel yet, but uh, how is the Citadel going this week? Uh, Citadel is going pretty well, actually. I uh, I took a little bit of a breather uh, about midweek and did a co-stream with Cosmic, uh, server mate, to mine some netherite scrap uh and uh or ancient debris rather uh and to turn it into netherite scrap all with the idea of um getting some tool upgrades before they become um more difficult to do in 1.20 i wasn't overly concerned about getting an entire um netherite armor kit because like again i tend to wear a gold helmet elytra anyway so i already have netherite boots so it would just be the pants that i would maybe update um but what we've done uh i ended up mining for a total of three hours because i did another stream uh immediately thereafter i think my next saturday stream was another netherite mining stream to start and total of about three hours maybe a little bit more than that and i found 12 ancient debris and i already had two so i had a total of 14 but you really need multiples of four to do anything um solid with it and that 12 was um 
as a result of actually splitting our findings. So Cosmic and I, when we did our mining session on that Thursday, we just decided that together we would split whatever the total spoils were as just kind of like a fun way to, to both of us get ahead. And uh, so I, I may have personally found more, but it wouldn't be by a whole lot because we were we were close to 50 50 uh, when we did the, the split at the end. And to me, if getting netherite gear is going to be more complicated in the future, I'm probably not going to bother. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I it was I mean, I really enjoyed the co stream and I would highly encourage anybody if you're on a server, if you're going hun- hunting for netherite, do it with a friend. Sure. <laughs> like yeah, just yeah. have someone to talk to because mining through and I should be specific. We weren't using TNT because we don't use TNT duping on the Citadel and um, I don't want to waste all that sand. And, and yeah. I just decided, you know, I've got concrete plans in the future, so I'd rather not deplete all my sand by blowing things up. It's also a mess. It's, it's really kind of tedious to jump around all the lava and everything else. So we were just digging, you know, two by five tunnels at Y12. Uh, and I was, I was finding some stuff, but like, I really, for the amount of time invested and the small bits, uh, and, and really reducing returns, you know, when you, when you do the, the, the conversion from netherite scrap into ingots, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I've got now in total, because I had some tools already. In total, I have two silk touch picks. I think I have one fortune pick that's netherite. I might have two. I think I have one. I have two netherite shovels and one netherite axe and then a pair of netherite boots. And so really the things that get the most use, the ac- the pickaxe, uh, the shovels, and my boots from jumping off of stuff. They're netherite. So that I'm getting the most kind of out of that. Um, in the process of doing that, I also repaired some gear and updated some some of my older diamond stuff. So if anything happens where like I, not that it's going to break, but if I end up with in a situation where uh, one of my tools is really, really low uh, and it needs to be mended and I don't want to go back right that minute, I've got some high-end diamond tools that would be a mm-hmm. decent supplement in that case. So um, so that's kind of like what I did for, for some netherite mining. Uh, I don't think I'm going to spend any more time before we update to 1.20 for more than the right, but we'll see. Um, I did also set up a bamboo farm. It's nothing fancy. I can't remember how many shoots it was, eight or 10 or something. I just used the old, you know, put the bamboo next to a piston with an observer on top of that. Um, if any of the bamboo grows at all, all the pistons fire. Like it's just, it's sure. a very straightforward farm. Like old school sugarcane farm kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if, and there's a, there's a, you know, I didn't use any water. I'm just using um, a, um, a mine cart. So there's a chance that there might be some loss because if some of the bamboo lands on itself, yeah, uh, sure. It, it yeah. might happen. <laughs> but not much you can well, do like, about that anyway, right? N- no, exactly. So it's not like Sugar King because Sugar King, of course, doesn't have a hitbox when it, you know, if, if it goes all the way to the ground, then you can pick it up with a, with a minecart hopper. Um, but for me, there's the, there's an odd chance, but I can't remember how many I planted, like I said, between eight and 12 and I'm getting a return of about 130 an hour ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine because I built it in the basement of the keep. So for the rest of the time that I'm puttering around West Hill, all of those chunks are loaded. So it's just always going to be going. And I'm sure that I'm going to end up um, getting, you know, a decent amount of bamboo because, you know, as we'll talk about later, I mean, bamboo now being something that you can use to make chests with, I'm just like, well, I no longer have to use, you know, decorative wood to make functional things like chests. So uh, that's going to be a good thing coming into the future. So that, that was my prep. Um, The rest of the week was just spent um, really refining the things that I had talked about last week. So I, I don't have any screenshots really to share 
um, the because it was just it's hard to get into these places and kind of like can communicate what they're what they're like. I might do it if I have, you know, better angles or, or more to say next week. But um, the tower, the West Tower has been refined to be the same height it was. It's now tall. I made that decision to kill that alley uh, down at the docks. So between the tower pushing a block west and the dock house pushing a block east, that alley is now completely gone. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way that the house butts up against the, the keep. Um, I'm not really super happy with it, but it's one of those things where like, well, it's a small sacrifice to make sure that that tower looks and works very well with the keep. So I'm much happier with the tower, even though I'm not as happy as I am or as I was with, with the, the docks and the way that it looks now. Um, I added some buttresses to support the, the west side of the keep. Um, but again, like it's all these things that are just kind of tucked behind buildings. They're just more for me than anything else. And uh, then I moved on. And I did some inside in in the um, the interior of the main hall. And that was, again, there's less structure changes and more just like, oh, I added a rafter and I forgot to fill it in and repeating the same chandelier design that I had in there from, you know, ages ago and making sure things are lit up. Uh, and, and getting rid of any kind of, um, spots that have, um, like a zero for spawning. And surprisingly in the apps, the great big area with all the windows, there was lots of zeros, yeah. but because of the new, because of the new lighting, um, uh, what mechanics, uh, I only need one lantern hanging well above, uh, the floor. So. I don't have to add sconces to the wall. I I can probably come up with something cool to hang from the ceiling and one lantern. That's all I need to fix it in there. So I'm quite happy with that. Uh, and the rest of it's all hallways. So really that becomes easy because then, you know, stairwells and hallways, the walls are thick enough that I can put like candles in little, little niches in the wall. And that will kind of light up enough because most of the stairs, of course, are spawn proof. It's only just the platforms that need to have a little bit of light on them. So I can light that in a way that looks, I think, decent and then is not spawn proof. Um, and that's just, it's kind of like an inner challenge. It's also just kind of like the, the idea that there's so many places in this town that are spawn proof that when you leave a spot that is not, it is almost guaranteed to start spawning mobs because it's the mm -hmm. only spot within a lot, like a decent radius that's, that's going to be spawn proof. But, uh, but I'm happy with the way things are going. I'm actually struggling right now uh, with what to do next. Like the keep is coming along and I would say the next time sink is going to be doing the interiors of the keep. Uh, but after that, I, I got to go back to my book. I believe I have a graveyard on the list for just outside the town. I know that there's a few things that we're going to talk about later on today uh, that I want to do. Um, but really, I, I've got that. Now I'm at that stage where with 1.20 here, mentally, I now have to start referring to my notes as to what my plans were for, for yeah. Westall, which is, again, a really good you know reminder for people that when you have a very big project like this and there's a lot of variables that come in like a new minecraft update it's really good to keep some sort of note whether it's a notebook next to your desk your desk or you know keeping something in a book in game um i i'm definitely going to be referring to that yeah I, it's something i've started doing already for the minecraft survival guide because season three is now underway and i've got a bunch of episode ideas again from all of the basics that I covered in the early days of the previous couple of seasons, just kind of revisiting those and stuff. I I always have to start 
writing out, okay, what have I already done? Because this this series is going to get like 100 episodes plus, so I need to make sure I'm not repeating myself. But also like, what can I cover? What needs updating? Like all of that stuff goes in a big like Word document effectively that I can just kind of scroll through and make sure I don't repeat myself and cover stuff that maybe I've mentioned in passing in previous episodes but need to come back to. So with the survival guide, you know, now that you've got that underway like how how's that been going for you it's pretty good the cherry mountain world seed that i went with uh the one that i've showed in previous uh episodes uh has been really kind to me so far um also it turns out uh, when exploring today the back side of that mountain has one of those caves like those kind of seaside caves that you can just sail a boat directly into so it's definitely like pirate grotto kind of territory back there i'm, I'm really happy about that um but i've kind of gone through the motions of just starting up the world i haven't done too much that's specifically 1.20 related which is why today's discussion topic is really going to be like our 1.20 to-do list like what is next on the agenda for us if we uh you know want to dive into that content but uh i started out just making basic animal farms so i'm farming cows and sheep and it all feels very like the first couple of times i didn't have a bucket yet because i hadn't gone caving and found iron i wanted that to be a whole separate topic to cover so i was going up to the waterfalls that come down this mountain redirecting a bit of the water where i needed to and just making a wheat field like naturally next to this this flowing water so i've had to make a couple of decisions based on the proximity of stuff like that i went up the mountain to look for iron because i wanted to talk about how iron can be found in higher elevations as well as lower so i ended up crafting leather boots to deal with powder snow which was my first time actually doing that intentionally instead of just walking around the powder snow right so I i'm kind mm. of i'm touching on mechanics that i feel like should be introduced sort of early without having to um you know crowbar them in later in the series when you're really past the point where you would need something like leather boots in the first place uh today i went around the world this is going to be for episode five which isn't out yet but i went around the world and i found every overworld wood type so i went exploring to the south of where i set up my base and i pretty much immediately found a jungle as savannah i mean there's birch and oak forest basically everywhere um, I found a mangrove swamp further out. I found bamboo in the jungle that I can craft into bamboo wood. I have cherry really close to spawn. Weirdly, the one thing I had trouble finding, which was absolutely everywhere in my 118 survival guide world, was dark oak forests. And so I had oh, wow. to find... I, I found one of those after a really long search. I was traveling around oceans, rowing everywhere because I didn't have a huge amount of food. So it's kind of nicer to you know, take a boat everywhere, travel by water and not waste hunger points sprinting everywhere. And so, yeah, I, I ended up like meticulously looking for a dark oak forest and eventually found that last out of all of the other wood types. And so now there are nine wood types that you can find in the overworld. They all arrange really neatly in a chest and I'm like, dang it, I need to add the nether ones to this at some point. And it's not going to fit in a in, the, in like the, the neat row of, uh, you know, the nine columns you get in a chest. But I'm finally at the point where I have all of that. I built a little, um, what I'm thinking of as a Viking short house because it's nowhere near big enough to be a long house. Basically a wooden tent is my starter house for now. But I'm not sure if I'm going to go with Viking as like a theme, if we're going to go sort of more Skyrim kind of mountain home kind of base 
or if I'm just going to build something else. I haven't quite decided on the starter house design yet, but that was the purpose of going out and getting the wood types, was giving myself options and trying to figure out where I wanted to go architecturally from there. I think that's something that is really important in the early stages of a Minecraft world, especially when it's not your first time, you know what you're doing, and getting out there and, and doing a quick survey of like getting the options, getting your imagination going, but then also realizing which is going to be close by in abundance and then which is going to be, well, I want to do this, but this is going to be a giant pain in the butt for now. You know, mm -hmm. maybe maybe that's a good idea for my second build or my larger, more permanent, you know, base rather than the, the starter house. And I yeah. and I I know I've done that before where like I want to build something cool, but then it's like, no, 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 I need something right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you end up going with something more local. I'm going to consider the fact that folks are going to be playing in different worlds to the one I have. So they might not have found bamboo right away. And like you probably want to start building with some of the more abundant wood types, like your oaks and spruces and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So we will see. I might try and sneak in a bit of individual flair and give people options if they haven't found bamboo to make some bamboo blocks yet. But yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to go. I'm still trying to feel out the direction I want to take any builds in the series. And I don't want to just rush off and have a ton of diamonds and whatnot and start enchanting and all of the going to the nether and everything before I've even built myself a proper house. So I think a starter house is going to have to be hashed out later today. And then we'll we'll see where things go from there. In the meantime, I posted my first episode from the New Life server now that I'm finally done with the exterior of my starter house there and some of the interior. And I feel like... I know you've dabbled with modded Minecraft before and, you know, some of it you liked, some of it you didn't. I think interior design in modded Minecraft allows for so much more variety and detail that I think you'd really get into it if you found the right kind of mod pack for it. Because there's custom furniture in there. I found lattices to grow plants on that you could add, like, rose bushes and vines and stuff to without them, like, occupying too much space or growing elsewhere or having to be planted on a dirt block. And so... I've got a really nice detailed interior built up there that I'll try and get some screenshots of for the for the show notes, but uh, I'm I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. I feel like the rest of the stuff in the mod pack I'm still trying to get to grips with, like create mod is really heavily involved, so I've tinkered with a couple of things there just for aesthetic purposes, and I've seen you can do a lot of wacky stuff with create that people are already going ham with on the server that I'm I have yet to really dip my toes into. So I, I'm taking it steady there because survival guide is going to be my focus for the next little while but obviously i'll need to return to the modded stuff and and hang out with people every so often i would agree that the interior design stuff with with modded can be really really cool i i think new life is running one of the same packs that i was running where you have some extra blocks that you can make but you have to make specific crafting tables for each family of block like there's a carpentry table and a masonry yeah, table and all yeah. that kind of stuff and they're really cool looking model models the kind of things that you would expect to see in like an mmo you know like a a cartoony kind of blocky mmo where it's like you can see that there's a block of wood underneath the table and there's a saw and a hammer hanging on it and everything has got a model like it's not just a, a flat pixel graphic on the side of a box it's actually got you know that kind of depth to it and those i thought were really cool because like there's something that you have to put down functionally to continue to work with the different mod blocks but it also looks really cool by just a single placement of something which i guess depending on where you feel with your minecraft philosophy you can either push it past or push it towards something that you want 
Um, I liked that. I thought, okay, these are cool looking. They all match, you know, like they all feel kind of the same. The one thing I, I will say about the Minecraft interior design with modded in, in at least some of the more popular packs, they all lean in that cottage core cute yeah, very. kind of vibe, uh, which is fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that goes against the grain if you wanted to do something more contemporary. Uh, yeah. And so you'd have to pick your mod pack, you know, to have that kind of contemporary stuff. But that's that's the thing. Like if you have a mod pack that gives you modern furniture with like couches and coffee tables and things like that, but then your carpentry table looks like it's from a cartoon RPG. Like it, mm-hmm. do, it does kind of fight with each other a little bit. And, and I think that that's one thing that you have to kind of like within a mod pack, you kind of have to say, okay, well, these are the mods I'm going to use within this pack because they match or they, they suit what I'm going to be doing, at least in this area. And then just stick with those. But I mean, we all, we all do the same thing in, in vanilla Minecraft. Like everybody's got a basement full of shulker boxes stuck to the wall, you yeah. know, or, or chests upon chests of stuff because you functionally need it in survival Minecraft at Endgame to, to have all these things, have all the blocks you want available to you to then build the different things that you want. Like the basement of my keep until I'm absolutely done with the area, it's not going to look like anything. It's going to be a functional Minecraft workroom because it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been watching a lot of the new life stuff and I, I really like the, the plants, uh, the hanging. There was, I think it was like, fireflies or something in jars which was really cool or yeah. butterflies that were light like there's all these little things that still feel very minecraft because they're simple voxel models and but they just add that little bit of of um sub block life that kind of helps minecraft feel more modern in yeah. the modded series in the modded series and i also noticed uh, i was watching i believe it was mythical sausage has like all kinds of really cool moving um farms and even just like stuff that's not functional but it's just meant to look cool like windmills on the roof of a of a of a build and again create mod just adding movement to minecraft mm-hmm. i mean some of it functional with with a farm that's going around and harvesting wheat in a in a little circle uh or having a windmill just rotate in the wind you know and just like that kind of stuff really takes it to the next level and it all still looks like minecraft and that's that's the kind of thing i i find appealing and i think most of the time my my issues with with modded are, are twofold one my computer ends up having a bit of a, a fit and it ends up getting too complicated and, and i find because either the mod packs are not optimized or i don't know enough about the mod pack to optimize it myself uh, i end up with some some frame rate issues uh, but then also when you're on a long-term world like the Citadel and you are focusing on a big project that you're coming close to the end of, modded just kind of feels like it's taking time away from that. Yeah. Which yeah, I should, and that's a mental thing on me. Like that's, that's something <laughs> that I could change. Like if I decided like right now I, I spend every Wednesday on Twitch playing Satisfactory because I like that game. It gives me a break from Minecraft and uh, it's getting an update soon and I want to stay on top of it. If for whatever reason I decided to change a, a day of the week from one of the four streams from the Citadel to a modded series. And I just stuck it to one day and always did that. I think it would probably feel like less of a pull, but I know that my experience with modded also has that idea of like, this is new and shiny and it's Minecraft, which I love, which means I'll want to play the modded more than I want to play the Citadel uh, because of that freshness, that newness, that break. So um, I, I don't start them on purpose unless the one thing that I find interesting and appealing, which I'll talk about a little bit more after the news, is the idea of a lot of the content creators currently that I follow uh, playing on limited series. Things like New Life, where you guys have six lives and then you're done. 
and and uh, or in previous um years where minecraft has had an update i've seen members of hermitcraft do things where it is a limited time like it's just this month the month of december or whatever it's the server is up for 30 days and that's it we're just going to log in and do what we want and that would feel like less of a pull from all of my current projects on the citadel yeah yeah well we've all kind of got vanilla on the brain these days uh so yeah. the modded might not have enough room because uh we'll move on into the news the trails and tales update is here um it was published on june 7th 2023 as expected uh, on both bedrock and java edition we'll have links to both of the change logs in our show notes but we're going to unpack the one from the java edition since it's got most of the major features just kind of laid out there uh, so the new features in minecraft 1.20 in case you've been under a rock and not listened to the last few episodes where we've covered all of the snapshots we have archaeology in minecraft a craftable brush item will let you brush suspicious sand and gravel to obtain pottery sherds which you can use to make decorated pots and a few other items besides trail ruins have been added which are a buried structure from a lost culture Desert temples, desert wells, and ocean ruins have been updated to include suspicious sand and gravel blocks with other items buried inside. One such item is the Sniffer Egg, which hatches into the Sniffer, the mob that we voted for at the last Minecraft Live. Uh, that can dig up uh, seeds for torch flowers and pitcher plants. The Camel is a new mob that's been added to Desert Villages, which is a taller, rideable mob with a dash instead of a jump. The smithing templates have been added along with a smithing table redesign. This adds a new armor trimming system to visually customize your armor and also changes how netherite equipment is crafted. The cherry grove biome was added along with the cherry wood set. Cherry groves also bring pink petals to complement the cherry wood leaves. The bamboo wood set was also added. Bamboo is crafted into wood rather than the other way around and bamboo boats can be crafted with a pretty unique raft shape to them. The chiseled bookshelf block was also added. It can hold six books or up to six books in interactable slots. And a comparator will read the last slot you interacted with and output a redstone signal based on that interaction. They've added hanging signs and improved customization options for signs in general. Signs can now be edited after you place them in the world. Text can now be added to the back of a sign independently from the front, including the dye, color, or glow ink that you apply to it. And signs can now be waxed using honeycomb to prevent them from being edited. The calibrated skulk sensor was also added. This is crafted with amethyst shards and a skulk sensor. Receiving a redstone signal locks it to a specific frequency, meaning it only reacts to certain vibrations. Vibration resonance functionality has been added to blocks of amethyst, which allows for vibrations of certain frequencies to be preserved over a chain of skulk sensors, making wireless redstone a little more robust. They've added playable mob sounds by placing a mob head on a note block. This includes the new Piglin mob head that is new for this update. New music tracks by Aaron Sheroff were added to the Cherry Groves, Desert, Jungle, Badlands, and Flower Forest biomes. The tracks are titled A Familiar Room, Bromeliad, Crescent Dunes, and Echo in the Wind. Relic by Aaron Sheroff can also be found as a music disc in Trail Ruins. There are some new Trails and Tales advancements. As usual, these are related to new content, such as obtaining a sniffer egg or brushing suspicious sand or a gravel block to obtain a pottery shirt. A list of these advancements and a more detailed breakdown of each of these features is available from the Minecraft.net post we've linked in our show notes. Changes in Java Edition 1.20 include some changes to Skulk Sensor Block behaviors. The vibration frequencies of many actions in the game have been tweaked and adjusted from previous iterations. 
Coloured wool, carpet and beds can now be re-dyed to any other colour. Replaceable blocks no longer block the connection between enchanting tables and bookshelves. The Wither Effect particle and Potion of Slow Falling colour have been adjusted to make them more distinguishable following changes to the colours of potions and the enchantment glow in 1919.4, I believe. Updated step sounds and advancements are uh, brand new as well. Uh, the main menu background is now a Trails and Tales panorama. The Minecraft Java Edition and Minecraft Realms logos have both been updated, along with the game's application icons. The Minecraft launcher icon now appears as a creeper face on a green background, and games launched from the Minecraft launcher now display a grass block icon for release versions and a dirt block for snapshot versions. A full list of the technical changes and bug fixes in this update is available from the Minecraft.net changelog. We're not going to list all of them here, but they include improvements to the game's lighting engine, additions and changes to commands and command syntax, and quick play support, which allows the game to launch directly into a specific world by clicking single player or multiplayer. Minecraft 1.20 Trails and Tales also launched for Bedrock Edition platforms and for the first time Chromebook. We won't cover the Bedrock Edition changelog as the new editions are largely the same as the ones we have just outlined. However, there are some long-awaited parity changes such as the ability to add custom banner designs to shields. A full list of editions and changes are available in the other Minecraft.net blog post we've linked in our show notes and over at feedback.minecraft.net. Minecraft Java Edition 1.20.1, Release Candidate 1, was published on June 9th. This minor update will fix a stability issue and fix some other critical issues found after the release of Minecraft 1.20. Some of those fixed bugs include a disk permissions-related crash, the Realms invitation icon that appears in the Realms button in the main menu is displayed incorrectly, buttons in the Add Realm interface within the Realms menu, no longer render, games softlock after canceling joining a server, and incorrect proto chunk set status call when chunks generate. Those bugs have been fixed. So uh, 1.20 is here at last, and immediately we get a .1 update, or at least a release candidate for one, um, which I don't think anybody was expecting so soon, considering there weren't any other release candidates after that most recent one, so it seemed like the update was all good to go. But it makes sense if they found some crashes and soft locks and things. The realms changes are obviously in the Minecraft team's best interest as well. So much as I'm sure people will be going, but we've only just had 1.20 and everyone's going to worry about like mods updating and stuff like that. It, they're putting it out quickly enough that it feels like people can course correct quite quickly, right? Agreed. And I also feel like they're very specific cases. And those are the kind of things like you probably just can't test for it. Like you, you only yeah. have so much you can do internally before you have to put it out to the masses. And with the sheer number of people to play Minecraft, you're ultimately going to get some people saying like, oh, I found a bug. You know, in this specific situation for me, the game soft locks or crashes or whatever. And, and I think that that's uh, an easy fix. But that's why I, you know, am still waiting to update the Citadel to 1.20 and now 1.20.1. And it's because I want the immediate, you know, uh, updates to to be over with before I bother with updating uh, to give all of the quality of life and performance mods that I want to run the chance to also catch up. Uh, specifically, there's also the release of you know 1.20 with the upgrades to the lighting engine and some of the technical stuff. And some of the performance mods that I use uh, may have to adjust what they're doing or the combination for me, I don't know, may end up not improving performance. I might end up with lower performance. So I wanna be able to quickly roll back if I if I need to. 
The one good thing about running a lot of fabric mods I find is that fabric is usually very much on top of the snapshot cycle, which means that usually the day, uh, like a lot of the sodium and caffeine published mods that I use, they were updated on Wednesday with 1.20. Like they were already there. It's like, we've got the mods ready to go. We just need the official release from Mojang for us to double check to make sure that everything works the way that we had planned in the snapshots. And when it does, then they release the updated 1.20 version. And I, you'll find a lot of times now with the minor updates that uh, the mods that will work with 1.20 will work with 1.20.1. They may not be optimized. They may not be completely like triple checked, but you'll see a lot of mods that will be like, hey, works with 1.20 plus. As in like the way that this is structured, we can't see anything that they're changing in some of these minor updates is going to affect the way that this works, you know, as mm -hmm. least as not as far as we've planned. So it makes updating a lot easier, actually, I find. Um, back when I was using Optifine, I remember waiting for a really long time for Optifine to get updated so that we could roll the Citadel to the latest version to the point where I felt like it was detrimental to our gameplay and me reporting on it on this podcast. So um, I, that's why we rolled it to fabric mods for our quality of life stuff. So I'm hoping this week to update. Um, there's also the problems with some viruses and stuff that we're bumping around. Uh, that seems to be pretty, I will say contained. And at least a lot of people that are using mods are aware of this, the possibility and, and how to double check to make sure that you've got no malware and stuff involved in the mods. And so, um, I'll be just careful as I update. Um, I need to find the time too. That's the other thing is the time sink of like, going through all the mods, deciding what I want to keep, seeing if there's anything new that I want to grab, you know, from a data pack or a mod perspective. I've got a couple of data packs that I've written my, not written, but I've, I've created myself with some tools online. I have to add things like cherry wood and bamboo wood to my um, stone cutter recipe data pack just to kind sure, of make yeah. that kind of stuff easier. So I've got that kind of stuff that I have to do. Um, but, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Like I, I, the, the one drawback of, of, the modded server kind of like update cycles that you do tend to be behind everybody that's just rolling a vanilla world day one mm -hmm. yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense and i i expect like some of the larger servers will start to you know slowly update i guess but uh yeah a lot of them are running mods if not for performance then for like other stuff that's being thrown in there so yeah we'll we'll see we'll see when uh people start to adopt it are you seeing a lot of people jump into trails and tales like day one for 1.20 i feel like a lot of people are kind of like you said doing smaller side series in 1.20 if they've got like a big project on the go already uh like I, I know a lot of people are starting like hardcore worlds or um a bunch of my friends are doing like a 30-day hardcore server in 1.20 and i think that's a, a fun way to just breeze through it nice and quickly and then get back to whatever it was you were doing and and by that time if a regular server that you plays on that you play on is already updated to 1.20 then it doesn't feel like you've missed much right you kind of like roll straight into it with everybody else but i think uh yeah some folks aren't necessarily as keen to update because i think a lot of the features here are quality of life things they're cosmetic things they are obviously like the wood types exciting for builders but there's a few things there that they don't seem like they have they, they should have universal appeal to like the average player but a lot of players end up specializing and there's not always going to be a huge amount for people who really specialize in something like redstone like i don't know if anybody in the technical community is absolutely like you know gunning for 
you know chisel bookshelves and uh the the skulk sensors and stuff enough to be like we need to update immediately like it's it's not getting people that excited in the same way that you know adding some stuff in the past maybe has and i think that some of the content uh and the way that it's being presented in terms of like you know the pace at which you uh engage with something like archaeology is a much slower pace than yeah yeah uh the in terms of like I don't want to use the word excitement because there's lots of people, including in our audience, that are excited about archaeology. But, but like compared to experiencing the deep dark, uh, or compared to you know um, some of the other things like exploring a brand new world generation in one seventeen one eighteen, it's a different vibe. And yeah. I even found that the Trails and Tales trailer was kind of low key. Again, I don't want to say it was bad, but it just compared to other Minecraft trailers, it felt less exciting there was less charm to it as well like there wasn't as much humor you know there it wasn't as punchy you know and i think that again there's not as much content and the content that is in there is pretty mellow you know cherry groves and bamboo and like you're talking about like how do you make watching plants grow exciting you know in a trailer like it, there's it's it's tricky and i'm not i'm not again i'm not saying it's a, it's a bad thing i'm just noticing the difference i guess in the vibe of this particular release and i i will say you know the the anecdotal note of of saying that a lot of the content creators that i follow are on these in between projects you know modded servers hardcore servers things like that i'll also make the note for whatever reason i don't happen to follow a lot of solo minecraft creators people that are running their own solo worlds you know like yourself as an exception i don't follow a lot of people that just have their own let's plays where they're not part of a server they can update to 1.20 whenever they want like that kind of a thing um and i don't know why that is it's not like i don't enjoy that content i just haven't sought it out it might be because you stumble upon somebody that you like they happen to be part of a server and then you discover all those other server mates because they interact with them and that ends up being your five or six people that you're following watching minecraft on youtube and then you don't have any room for anybody else right so that you don't bring in the new solo players right yeah but, yeah um, yeah. So anybody out there, if you if you're if you're listening to this podcast and you follow a number of creators that you think are, you know, solo excellent content creators and are into the one twenty, send us an email. Let us know um, about you know about those folks because they may not get the same exposure as folks that are on servers that you know we all we seem to talk about the same kind of crowd a lot. And it'd be nice to sort of see what what people that are doing on their own, you know, with without the server economy driving decisions and without like all that normal stuff we talk about on the show, uh, what's happening in 1.20 for the people that are just out there chilling and enjoying the low key, you know, uh, trails and tails update. Yeah, I'm certainly enjoying that fresh new world smell personally and just like the chance to start over and do right. that stuff from scratch. And I feel like that's what's got me excited about this update is a chance to start a fresh world and explore some of that stuff from the very beginning but yeah the trailer like focuses a lot on um you know armor trim and camels and and you know shenanigans and kind of getting into adventures it's all about exploration really and the same goes for the archaeology features they're about exploring your world and, and uncovering bits of the world that maybe you would have overlooked otherwise and that's hard to it's harder to sell i think to people than the action and stealth oriented experience that you get from the deep dark and i think that we've had a couple of really bombastic feeling updates with 
you know, caves and cliffs changing terrain generation as we know it forever. And then the deep dark adding this very kind of brooding, moody kind of experience and a lot of like hype building around the warden, the warden being a very iconic feeling creature and something that was anticipated so much. This feels a lot quieter, a lot more cozy by comparison. And cozy is maybe a little more difficult to sell to people. Speaking of the deep dark, if you want to move into some email, I have one that is right in that, I guess, realm of exploration. Sure, let's do it. And if folks at home would like to email the show, that address, again, is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Let us know about your 1.20 experience so far. First message this week comes from Fofers with a PH. Echo Shard's idea. Hi, Johnny and Joel. In episode 248, you talked a bit about the missed potential of Echo Shards and how lots of people were disappointed in them. So I've come up with a bit of an idea for how to use them. I'm not sure if this has been touched on by you two, but I like the idea if that could be used for uh, calibrated skulk sensors. They both come from the deep dark, and I think that they're called Echo Shards, and that is the perfect reason for this use. Thanks, Fofers. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I tried real hard not to say foofers because like well, like not only would that be both are cool usernames but like this, it's one o off and i was like no that's it's it's foofers it's yeah very unique i i really i i, I like a, a solid single word unique username always grabs my attention and um, uh somebody who hasn't died in their sign off message as well which yes. i'm always i'm always happy with. very much alive yes um so yeah uh Right now, calibrated skulk sensors are, I believe it's a skulk sensor and three amethyst in kind of a similar configuration to how you make a comparator. Am I thinking Correct. that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and so amethyst shards being renewable where echo shards aren't is really kind of the the contentious point here. Would you agree? Yeah. I For me, selfishly, as someone who wants to mess with calibrated skulk sensors, I'd rather them not be limited by having echo shards in their crafting recipe yeah and the big difference right now is that echo shards are not renewable right so if you want a lot of these things or if you want even if it's just you know you want a dozen of them you know like it just becomes a real sticking point and i think the i mean amethyst is also like you don't necessarily have that right away Um, i mean like you can luck out and find one but like i remember when geodes first came into the game and it took me forever to find one mm-hmm. you know yeah. on, on a on a limited playthrough of of the uh caves and cliffs update so um i'm okay with them being locked behind amethyst um if echo shards were to change if you could either grow echo shards or or find them in a renewable way um i'm i'm okay with that in the same way like if you want to get uh like chorus fruit you need to go to the end but after you get one you're good like one and some endstone and you can go back to your overworld and, and grow them and i and i i like that like if if it's going to be something that's gated behind the echo shard with the calibrated skulk sensor then i think that once you get one echo shard or you know a handful of them whatever the mechanic would be i think you need to be able to like generate them yourselves somehow maybe they grow underwater i don't know you like just any anything that you can do in the same way that you know amethyst you know with budding amethyst you know like you're limited there where you can't move them that that, block the the block from that location but at least you can continuously go back and harvest more yeah yeah no i i I do think with redstone a lot of stuff needs to be scalable because you want to work on a larger project Uh you want to be able to like have farms that do multiple things or like a larger farm that you just kind of tile the design and scale up 
and the components need to scale with you. And as far as I'm aware right now, there are no non-renewable components in Redstone. Like, even, like, back when comparators could be, like, you didn't have piglin bartering to get more quartz, but quartz was still fairly abundant in the nether. If you had fortune, you were going to get the most out of it. And then observers get introduced that add quartz as well, and suddenly there's, like, a bit of a shortage of quartz, so piglin bartering comes in to compensate for that. And I think that's a really important factor that the team has to consider when they're adding features like this is how a redstone player is going to want to use it and redstone is known for being the kind of thing that you scale up to the size of people are using entire creative worlds to build a computer that can count to four you know and there's there's like an enormous amount of circuitry that goes into that so i think adding a non-renewable redstone component really doesn't quite feel like what the community needs and that means you need to, like you said, find a, a renewable way to create Echo Shards. I think Echo Shards occupy this really difficult position right now where it cheapens them as loot in the ancient city if you find a way to harvest them like renewably that that isn't something that you then maybe have to go to an ancient city to find and or fuel with something from an ancient city or it has to be built in an ancient city for it to work properly or something but on the flip side if you don't add them renewably it's difficult to add more uses for them because then people are going to run out if it's something that's genuinely useful and so right now they end up being overlooked because a lot of people aren't going to bother messing with a recovery compass but nobody wants there to be more uses for them and for them to not be renewable so it's a, it's a very difficult balancing act i think with echo shards yeah i think that's true of most items or resources that they add in the game like if it's if it's not going to be renewable then its uses are usually decorative and or limited you know versus if it is something that you can renew like bamboo like you can smelt it you can now build wood with it like you know having bamboo be renewable as it is it makes sense that they add a lot more function to it with 1.20, right? Yeah. Compared to other things. Absolutely. Uh, the next email we'll cover comes in from Kokoridaki, who is a landscape artist member and a very familiar face around our Discord. And the subject is, will Mojang add more armor trims to older structures? Hi, Pix and Joel. I've been having a blast in the new update, playing on a new world with some friends. Some members of the server have been having a lot of fun getting armor trims and generally enjoying archaeology. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I do look forward to it. That said, as much as I enjoy the variety we already have with how many existing structures have armor trims tied to them, do you guys think we'll see Mojang adding more armor trim to other existing structures in future updates? I'm guessing they'll add some to any new locations of interest they add, but I think it would be fun to see more added to older structures like villages and dungeons. Stay chunky! Kokoridaki died of hunger, not realizing he hadn't brought enough food for the journey. Dang it, we lost another one. <laughs> We're back on the death sign-offs. Um, so you... yeah, th this this one suggests uh, having armor trims in villages, armor trims in dungeons. I'm trying to think of any structures that don't have them right now because pillager outposts have got them. Ocean monuments have them as guardian drop as, as eld elder guardian drops. Um, so there's not that many structures out there that don't now have armor trim. Abandoned mine shafts? Do they have them? Yeah, no, I, I guess those those are so frequent though. That's the so thing. Yeah, like, they're pretty common. Yeah, yeah, and quite di quite easy to find. Like I I was exploring a mesa earlier and immediately spotted one from the surface. You know, there's there's yeah. a, few, a few of them that just like make themselves known very easily, which I guess shipwrecks do as well. But you'd have to maybe tweak the the spawn rates that that the the loot table gets. But either way, I don't know if we really need that many more now that there are 
already so many armor trims and so many different combinations of them like people were doing the maths and it was coming out with absurd numbers of like you know if you if you placed an armor stand on every possible block in a minecraft world you wouldn't be you wouldn't have enough armor stands to cover the amount of potential permutations of armor trim colors combinations and different types of armor like it is it's over the sort of billions of billions kind of marks so it it gets a little bit absurd so so the idea that we need more of it at this point seems a little far-fetched i want to say yeah i mean i'm on two sides on this because on one hand similar to the frequency of of um, abandoned mineshafts spawning villages are pretty frequent too uh dungeons i don't know about how frequent but dungeons seem to be their own reward right i mean the, the yeah. fact that you found a, a spawner like the reason you want it is the spawner i don't really care about what's in the chest <laughs> like that's that's not why i get excited when i find a spawner uh i think that the idea of having armor trim in those locations if it was something that they would have planned for or would consider i would imagine it would have just come with 1.20 like they've already added what is it 15 16 different kind of armor trims yeah like, something like what, that it, what, what's the difference between just making it 18 like why not do these two examples that kokoradaki mentioned probably for the same reason that we just outlined the, the frequency of this the the spawning i could see it if they had something like say a, a an abandoned mine shaft where only in a very specific biome like maybe only lush cave mine shafts have an armor trim like I, I could potentially see something like that uh or in the future if they added a new structure like let's say for example there is a new structure that we find in cherry groves like maybe it's you know a, a gardener's hut or a little koi pond or something like that and if they added a, a new armor trim specifically for those structures something new i could see that and the reason is not because i think that there's enough variation i think where people um want more variety in the armor trim is not the fact that they can be put on all the different color patterns and you can have the different combinations it's it's that if if the patterns aren't really speaking to you and you want a new pattern if you want a new armor trim template um having something from something let's say like a cherry grove where the armor trim template has a very floral look to it i could see that being very appealing for the people that are into armor trim mm -hmm. compared to the very geometric stuff that we see from all the other trim variations and um the other thing that i i've noticed is that i can't remember the name of it but one of the more recent changes that they made to armor trim before they published the the update was that one of them i believe it's in the deep dark it's almost a reverse where there's more trim than there is armor visible yeah it's the silence armor trim the one that yeah. kind of it's got like a skull pattern on the helmet and stuff like that yeah it's, it's definitely it's already got the reputation as like this is the cool one you know yeah precisely and that's the kind of thing where like it because it stands out so much i could see them in future saying all right well that's really popular people have been asking for more like that so if we added another structure or in our expansion of whatever it is coming down the lines they've got the idea that they could add them and i think that's the thing that you might you might see i think that in say like a new minecraft update down the line if there's an, an armor trim that's an idea that's been in the perk for a while or something that's in demand i could see that being added one at a time like because this is the kind of thing where like as minecraft grows they can just increase the list of of armor trims and they don't have to change anything else about them the way that they function seems to be pretty baked in but adding another armor trim template that you can find somewhere would make sense in a new expansion but i think that any existing structures 
that we're going to get them have them right now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like banner patterns used to be back in like 116 i want to say was the last update we got a new banner pan when the snout pattern was added for bastions they haven't seen the need to add one of those to the deep dark for example maybe the deep dark comes from a pre-banner civilization i don't know but i think there's a certain threshold at which adding something new to that just creates more complications and doesn't necessarily energize the player base but then again with armor trim being so new it might be that's the new hotness for a while and people are going to be out there looking for new armor trims as soon as a new structure comes to the game it's a curious idea i don't know about having one in villages i think if it was a village thing it'd probably be a trade uh it would be more interesting to be able to get them from villagers but then that's easily exploited and the armorer seems like the most logical villager to trade that to you and they're already really overused because people can just buy full diamond armor sets from them once they've done enough trading so i I do think there's a balance to be struck there and a lot of the village chests right now contain very basic stuff so the idea that they've got something that feels as advanced as armor trim i suppose uh feels like a, a bit of a stretch to me and the purpose of the armor trim is to get people out and exploring the world right and if it's yeah. happening as frequently as you see villages then like you're not really going that far yeah well i think the, sh- the same of shipwrecks but i've searched a lot of shipwrecks in the minecraft bingo sessions i was playing and it's actually pretty hit and miss whether you, you find any in a you know right. a, a half hour attempt at exploring shipwrecks so we will see uh, speaking of which though um we want to talk about what's on our 1.20 to-do list and shipwrecks are pretty high up on mine if that's going to be one of the earliest places i'm going to find some armor trim uh, so right now we haven't really had time to explore everything the trails and tales update has to offer joel because the citadel hasn't updated to 1.20 yet and myself because i'm still in the early stages of a brand new survival world and i'm mo- more focused on things like where is my next meal coming from and can this iron axe chop down enough wood before it breaks so we are still kind of getting the feelers out in terms of 1.20 Um, we're talking about short-term and long-term goals for the update today. And I've already ticked one of these off my list since I wrote the notes for this show, actually. Um, Obtaining bamboo and cherry wood was very high on my list. I had cherry on my doorstep, but I have had to explore for bamboo, and I really wanted to get started with that as a building option right away, before I pigeonhole myself into a specific architectural style. So, honestly, bamboo and cherry wood seemed like two of the biggest additions to me as a builder as somebody who loves that aspect of the game so it makes the most sense that that's going to be a a short-term goal for me i'm i'm with you uh one of the first things i did with 1.19 was go out and find a mangrove swamp and harvest a shulker box full of mangrove wood and roots and all the things that were going to be there so that i could use them whenever i wanted them or needed them as the inspiration hit back in west hill and I'm going to be doing the same thing with with a, a, a cherry grove. Uh, I feel like there will be some conversations on the server about which cherry groves are to be preserved for building and living and, and being nearby and yeah. which ones would be good for harvesting for people that want to just kind of take it down. Uh, and, you know, or depending on how easy they are to harvest, just get enough to have a sapling or two and bring them back to West Hill and just kind of harvest them as I need them. And... That will be something that I will do. I can't see myself at the moment having a lot of immediate plans with cherry wood and blossoms and pink petals and stuff, but I can see it being very specific use cases, you know, things like maybe interior designs or like putting a, a um, cherry wood sapling in a flower pot, 
you know, like just stuff like that could help with West Hill. I do have plans for a graveyard. Uh, often people plant flowers in graveyards. And I think that maybe some of the pink petals would look really cool. Make it feel like a very unique area. Something that if the flowers are not native in the surrounding biome, it's going to look like people maybe put them there on purpose as sure, opposed yeah. to uh, things just like dandelions and stuff like that just growing. Uh, so that kind of stuff would be fun to mess around with. Um, and again, with the bamboo farm, I, I mentioned this earlier, I've got a small one going. Uh, so my immediate kind of idea there is just to get, a, again, have enough bamboo on hand. If I decide that I want to use some bamboo somewhere in West Hill, I don't think it really goes with the color palette right now, but I never, you never want to say never. And if I do decide, oh, that would be great. I don't want to be stuck without bamboo. Mm -hmm. And and I had a manual farm going for a while that I used to just knock down every time I walked by. But now that I've got this auto farm kind of plugging away in the background, I'll have enough to dabble in. Because again, I feel it's going to be used in like accents as opposed to building an entire roof out of bamboo. Uh, so that should be pretty easy. Now, that kind of folds into a slightly longer term goal, which is I do want to get a more robust bamboo farm going because I totally plan on moving all of my chest and shulker box needs to bamboo as a source for chests. Uh, no longer will I have to use the woods that I normally use to decorate with to build my chests with. It's fast enough to use ender pearls and, and bone meal to harvest spruce wood for that stuff, but it's way faster and better in the background to have bamboo just plug it away. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sure that short term, there will be at least a mini bamboo farm in most places that I go on the server and to make sure that something is always loaded and making a bamboo shulker box for something, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm thinking bamboo farm's going to be pretty high on my list now that I've got bamboo. I don't know if I'm going to automate it right away, but like you, yeah, I, I'm probably going to put together a manual one, at least to begin with, chop it all down with a sword every so often and yeah. start start on scaffolding, but also start on, on blocks for that and... I don't know if it's going to replace the utility wood that I typically end up gathering, like spruce and dark oak and stuff, because of the crafting ratio. If you look at the amount of bamboo that you need to make, let's say, a stack of chests, you have to make that into bamboo blocks from nine bamboo. Then you need to break those down into planks. You get two planks per block instead of four because of the crafting ratio with sticks having to be balanced. And then, yeah, you need to kind of, <laughs> you need to assemble all of your chests and stuff from there. So it's multi-step crafting. But if you've got a huge chest of bamboo that you can just break, have it all lying on the floor, grab some bamboo blocks out of that and just keep churning through it. I imagine that can be a pretty productive thing. And if it's farming itself in the background, if you're that late in the game that you've got a big bamboo farm that's doing it for you, then it might be worth the the, the hassle, I think. I think that's going to be going to be worth it. In the meantime, yeah, I, th I think I'm I'm going to stick with generating double tall spruce until uh, I'm bamboo has won me over in that respect. But I'm just excited to try building with it in that kind of different style. Um, I think my next short term goal is probably archaeology of any kind. Um, I've already been on, on my travels looking around for all the different wood types. I've spotted a couple of structures, a couple of ocean ruins, at least one desert well. I haven't seen a desert temple yet, but I was not looking for them. I was looking for all the wood types. So if anything, I was trying not to get ahead of myself. But I'm excited for that aspect. It's going to be it's going to be something that feels like an early game mechanic. It's sort of lo-fi in the sense of once you've got beacons and stuff like that and you're churning through stone in the lower depths of the world, it doesn't really feel like... It, it doesn't match the pace of late game when you're doing some more expansive stuff. It feels more like a slower, more chill, contemplative activity that makes you think about the 
uh, you know, the, the history of your world. So it makes sense to do that early, which is why it's kind of on the short-term goal list for me. And I'll, of course, be experiencing that with uh, you and Archeoplays and Olraf on stream tomorrow. So, yes. I mean, that that's going to be a great, like, just opportunity, but also a cool experience for me because late game on the Citadel, it isn't on the Citadel high on my to-do list. I mean, I'm sure I will eventually do it. Or if I stumble upon something, I'm absolutely going to take advantage of it. But it's not something I'm going to be leaving West Hill to go seek out and do right away. And um, by... Um, by being able to do it on a, on a separate project, uh, much like these smaller mini projects we were talking about earlier, I think that'll be good for me because then I'll get to experience it without having to figure out how to, I don't want to say wedge it in, but like how to work it into the goals that I currently have on the Citadel. But that, you know, that does bring up that, you know, you do get pottery shirts from archaeology and having some different, you know, blocks to decorate interiors with in Westo would be really good mm -hmm. so depending on um what's really nice about this stream tomorrow is that it's going to be a good test you know it's gonna be like oh how much time is invested in this what's the reward you know will i get enough pottery shards that i can decorate with if i want the ones that have designs on them if i don't i can just make them out of clay bricks on my own and, and west hill so it depends on what i want um but uh i'm, I'm looking forward to kind of being able to experience that outside of West Hill to then decide whether or not I want to employ it. I think one of the learning curve things for me in 1.20 is recognizing what a trail ruins looks like when it's still buried. Because I honestly, I explored a fair amount of my world earlier today. I don't think I ran into one from what I've seen. There's usually a couple of blocks on the surface that are the telltale signs of it but they can occur in a lot of different biomes. So finding one amongst the trees of a forest when I'm just trying to rush through to get to the next area, I probably wasn't looking all that closely. So I'm actually kind of curious how easy it is to spot one of those, how deliberately you have to go out and find them. Um, and so pe for people with established worlds, if you're not sure whether t the terrain was generated in the latest update or not, it could be quite a frustrating search, I think. Yeah, I I don't know how easy they are or difficult they are to find. For us, at least with most players on the server keeping to their immediate areas, I have a pretty good beat on what would be new overworld chunks. Mm -hmm. So if we were lurking in the wrong area, we would probably know right away because it would be a pretty easy thing. And plus, I mean, that's the advantage of having that um, mini map and full world map mod is that if you open it up and it's filled in well someone's been here you know or or you've been here uh and so that helps along with you know being able to see where the new like especially if it's a new biome like if you see the those hard chunk borders that sometimes occur you know yeah then that'll help but um that's not a vanilla experience so i yeah i i, I haven't um outside of just looking for terracotta poking up where it's not supposed to that's the only thing that i have from our experience you know looking at the notes and the different um, snapshots that I've seen um, in in the few people that have done like snapshot reviews on YouTube and they've gone to like jungles or birch forests like it's pretty obvious you know when when they see them uh, Archeo plays though in our chat is saying that um, finding them can be difficult and there have uh, been visible gravel blocks but no terracotta in some of the jungle um, locations so that's 
that's tricky. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I guess does gra- does gravel happen in jungles all that often? I guess you just have to be really aware of what are the common blocks in the biome. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and gravel patches are still going to be part of natural terrain generation in some areas anyway. You know, mm-hmm. like a, a little pit forms somewhere, and they decide to put right. You know, gravel or granite or whatever other material in there. So you you've kind of got to have your head on a swivel for that stuff. There's yeah, there's uh, Arcade Place has posted a screenshot in the chat now, and there's really not much there except maybe a terracotta block hidden under a, a leaf block so you've really got to got to have your eyes peeled for some of that stuff but yeah maybe that's a, a reflex we're all going to learn whilst we're searching for trail ruins in our own worlds or maybe they'll just end up being an unfortunately overlooked uh feature of the update we'll we'll see another thing i think is going to be overlooked and something that kind of falls into the same category as archaeology in terms of this is going to be better in earlier game because late game it won't be as worth doing for people or like it won't match the pace of late game is camels i think camels are on my short-term goal list purely because if i don't do them now i won't do them at all um and i'm not necessarily rushing out to the first desert village that i see um but i think at least finding a couple of desert villages so you know you have the opportunity to breed them is going to be a priority for some players because then if you have easy access to them you can use them for aesthetic things if you want to build a big desert civilization that's got a lot of camels around or you want to you know just have a fun creature to ride around you want to race them i think just finding those villages and being able to mass produce camels is going to be a priority for anybody who wants that level of control and that level of options over everything that goes on in their world yeah, camels for me would be purely decorative at this stage. Yeah. Um, I don't have any plans for a desert village. I like the idea of one. It would be a great palette cleanser. Like it would be such a different look to what I'm doing right now. Uh, but it would be more like it would be more ancient city type stuff, really. It'd just be different different blocks. So um, I'm probably not going to mess with camels anytime soon. I don't dislike them. I think they look cool. I, I like the the movement and the height change that they add to the mobs and and like by having a, a bunch of camels behind a wall that they can peek over like that's just a whole interesting kind of vibe you know as you're walking down a, a, a town or a build design which could be cool so outside of like a sci-fi build where i maybe am capturing and and harboring two of every animal <laughs> which mm-hmm. i don't know that would be more of a fun thing to do than any kind of real practical use but i can't see myself going into camels anytime soon so before I move on to long-term goals and stuff, have you got anything else you want to do in 120 in the short term? More wood stuff, actually. Um, I do recall that I have uh, hanging signs and chiseled bookshelves on my to-do list in in 1.24 uh, West Hill. And that's just, you know, with situations where a hanging sign is going to be more interesting and you're walk down one of my town streets to see where the butcher is or where the carpenter is and that kind of stuff. And I'm actually thinking about how fun it would be to combine the statues, armor statues, data pack with hanging signs. So instead of just typing butcher on the hanging sign and maybe dying in a different color, uh, one of the things I was thinking about doing was like getting a pork chop and putting it up on the sign with mm-hmm. the with the armor stand. And, and that could just provide some really kind of interesting iconography and simplistic kind of like in the same way that you'll see like uh, RPGs for like mobile devices and stuff like that, rather than because the, the icons are so small, you have to be able to discern that this is a carrot shop or, you know, a vegetable shop before, you know, you go in. And so that I think could be very fun. 
uh, and, and exploring that. And because they come in different colors and things like that with the different signs, then you can make them work with the um, the building, which is better than the item frame method if you want to do it like that now um, because item frames are always the same and they always they seem to have this that kind of reddish leather color rather than you know having the sign match you know the spruce or the oak or whatever it is that you yeah having on. so the amount of variety that we have with hanging signs is yes. really worth exploiting at this point yeah. yeah yeah and i don't have any immediate uses in west hill because most of the structures are done but i did a little test build in my 1.20 stream when i did it in one of the snapshots where i made like a rope bridge out of hanging signs and i'm curious as to whether or not i can work them into a couple of balconies here and there or maybe you know in the woods if there's like a little bridge that has to go across a creek or something i, I might be able to get a little bit of something different out of hanging signs uh, before i leave west hill but i don't know if it's going to happen in the city it might be more of a surrounding area kind of kind of thing um but then chisel bookshelves are the other thing and uh, i do have plans to make the east hall of the keep into sort of a library and that is going to be made to look a lot more interesting with the variety of different designs and and fullness that you can get depending on how many books are in a uh, chiseled bookshelf and I think that that's going to be uh, a fun way to decorate inside. I know that there's other spots in the area uh, where I've got a lot of bookshelves in interior designs and I felt that they were repetitive. So by removing them and replacing them with chisel bookshelves and filling them up 80%, it's just going to make things look a little bit different, I think. And so yeah. that's going to be that's going to be fun to mess with as well. My first interaction with chisel bookshelves is probably going to be when I get set up with enchanting. And once I have enough books that I can actually put them in the chiseled bookshelves and I'm not saving them all up frantically for, for the enchanting setup. But I, I'm i kind of curious how it's going to feel, as I haven't really done any of this yet, storing enchanted books in specific bookshelves and maybe labeling them to say, this is the bookshelf that's got all the mending books on. Because it'd be difficult to tell that from just looking at them on the shelf. Um, but I, I do think it'd be kind of fun to store stuff that way as long as you can stay organized with it and you're not going to be frustrated pulling books off, off the shelves to find out it's the wrong one and you're looking for one that you don't have or something so I, I think that's where chisel bookshelves are going to come in for me i'm not quite at the level where i'm considering building with them aesthetically yet but i'm sure i'll get around to that sooner or later if only there was a sign that you could hang in front of the bookshelf <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's, it's going to be some combination of the two definitely yes, yeah, yes. right yeah. yeah all the new things in one place yeah so what are your long-term goals? One thing I've decided is going to have to be a long-term goal is obtaining and breeding sniffers. Just because I've seen people online already struggling to find the eggs in warm ocean ruins, and you've got to have two of them before you can breed them. And also, while I do have a decent chunk of warm ocean relatively close to me, bringing them back from there one at a time to whatever base that I set up, or, or deciding that I'm going to set up a base closer to home for them so that I don't have to take them all the way back to my spawn location, it's still going to take a while. And so it's not the thing that I'm rushing out to do, even though I love the sniffer, voted for it, really like the design. I think they're adorable creatures. And I'm kind of interested in decorating with the flowers that they, they create for you. I do think the sniffer is going to have to be a long-term thing. Otherwise, I'm just going to be disappointed when I do a bunch of brushing in warm ocean ruins and I don't find a sniffer egg in the first couple of tries. I think I'm going to have to consider that a long-term goal for my own sanity more than anything else. And I can see the sniffer being something that people aren't that excited for. 
Um, but uh, how do you feel about it? Are you, are you interested in searching for sniffers once you've got the server up and running in 120? I mean, I think that they're cute and cool and they the fact that they give you a couple new plants is great for all the decoration and stuff that i do uh i don't see them as any kind of immediate plan for west hill so they're definitely on the back burner for me uh especially because of like just the the nature in which you have to go to find them i it might end up being a situation where my server mates end up having you know breeding pairs before i end up going looking so it might not be that hard to come by my own sniffer should i need it um, one thing that I am planning long term, though, is a switch from my West Hill medieval build to something like a sci-fi build. And torch flower plants and pitcher plants are very unique looking and they kind of look outerworldly. And in the right environment, the right context, you could have it look like an, you know, a weird alien forest or mm. foliage or whatever. So I can see myself really needing a, quite a few sniffers in the, in the long run. And so that could be interesting. They also, the sniffer themselves, don't look like your traditional mob in Minecraft. So if I decide to have a sci-fi build, like well, who's to say that I don't have an alien range of sniffers? You know, like just they look <laughs> yeah. like alien cows to me. So there could be a, a couple of uses for them uh, that I, I think are, are really unique, you know, for what I have planned. So um, they are in the back of my mind, but not not immediately. Yeah, I, I think the pitcher plants, I can see those going really well with something like Nylium. If you get the warp Nylium from the Nether, mm -hmm. and they're that, that yep. cyan kind of color. Obviously, I don't know if you can plant them on the Netherrack variants, so there might be a bit of stuff, but then they're flowers after you've grown them from farmland, so you can put them anywhere you could put a flower otherwise. So yeah, there's, there's definitely some synergy there in terms of color palette alone, but I, I like the idea of them contributing to an alien landscape. And speaking of, um, one of the other things that I want to look at is controlling the pink particles that you get from cherry blossoms yes, uh, or cherry leaves to create some unique atmospheres. Now, I don't know whether I want to do that inside, outside. I've got some ideas for, you know, creating a sci-fi area on a mushroom island where I could then create my own biome and uh, doing whatever I wanted and having some bright colors now that might not necessarily be green which is what a lot of people go to the mushroom island for is that bright grass but uh i might be able to go maybe i go with a purple and pink you know vibe for a forest or something interesting and for me um exploring what those particles do maybe you know like we could have pink particles from a hidden uh cherry blossom leaves that make it look like you know it's part of a a platform that beams you up you know like maybe it's it looks maybe it what looks like just floating flower petals in a cherry grove could look like some sort of sci-fi energy or something i don't know but i'm looking forward to exploring that kind of thing um and getting into more of the effects and kind of using things in a more unorthodox way and some of the the additions in 1.20 lean towards that for me yeah i think um if you've got the spore blossom particles and the pink particles, you could almost have like a pink versus green thing going on and have them yeah. always be like rival factions of some kind. Like there's there's thematic stuff that you can do with that that I'd almost forgotten until I went around some of the cherry groves today g gathering saplings and stuff that the pink particles were going to be a thing and that there were cherry petals kind of falling around you. It does create a really nice atmosphere, so that's definitely worth experimenting with. Um, as far as like the calibrated skulk sensors and that kind of stuff the redstone functionality the same with chisel bookshelves really that's definitely a long-term goal for me because i just can't dive into it right away i don't have the stuff <laughs> i need uh, i need more comparators and that's a whole you know set of episodes ahead before i can really start dabbling with redstone to begin with so 
that's on the long-term goals for me, if only because I feel like I didn't get enough use out of Skulk sensors for what they are capable of. As with anything with Redstone, for me, I sort of need to convince myself that it is worth doing something in an automated way before I will ditch the manual way of doing stuff. And so I need to figure out what my thing I want to automate deliberately with wireless redstone is without just being like, well, I can just run a redstone wire over there. It's not that far and it's fewer components or something. I'm curious to see where the tipping point is where I decide that skulk sensors are indispensable for a contraption. Um, but I think that stuff is definitely a, a long-term thing for me. Same for me. I, I, I do have a little bit of redstone I want to attempt to do in Westdale with the four bell towers that are in the four cardinal directions in the town. I thought it would be cool to have them ring at a certain time of day. Mm -hmm. And and that may or may not need some wireless redstone, depending on how I have to work around the existing decor. So that could be a thing. I don't know. Um, but again, looking ahead to like the sci-fi build that I want to do, having any kind of like automated door or anything that happens when you walk by that you don't have to press a button or interact with something to do, I think would be fantastic. And so like having even just like a hallway light up as you walk along it, you know, and because your footsteps are the only thing powering it, like that to me would be really, really interesting. So I will be for sure exploring um, calibrated Skulk sensors and Skulk in general, now that they've had that quality of life update, it's just, it's not happening immediately because I'm still very much in the throes of, of finishing up West Hill. Going hand in hand with the stuff we're going to be doing tomorrow, I think I'm probably going to perform a full excavation on a trail ruins in my own world as well. Like I like the idea of sort of going back to what I was doing in Survival Guide Season 1 or the museum I had on Empire Season 2, making it a museum piece, having like a glass floor over it so that you can look down and sort of walk around it but from above. And, and framing it out in a in a nice kind of presentation case almost. I like the idea of doing something like that. Even, you know, if it's the kind of thing that you can restore and wander through it, I feel like that seems like a, uh, a fun long-term goal to reimagine what those structures looked like at their peak. Uh, so that'd be kind of fun. And the last thing for me goes hand in hand with that, really, finding all the armor trim patterns, which is probably going to mean multiple trail ruins at this stage because you find four different armor trims in a trail ruin potentially and then it's going to involve lots of ancient city raids and stuff like that so that's again going to have to be a long-term goal not just because it involves finding so many different structures but because some of them are uh, notoriously stingy it turns out in uh, handing out the armor trims these days yeah that that's going to take you a while <laughs> and i think it's, it's an advancement now or something it's an advancement to get some of them like on, from a specific list i believe so we'll uh, we'll have to see how well that goes but uh, I think that's it for our lists, and hopefully you folks at home are compiling to-do lists of what you're going to do in Minecraft 1.20, whether you've updated so far or not. Let us know once again. Uh, Joel will have the email address for you again in just a second. But that is where we're going to wrap up this episode of the show. You can find more information about our show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You 
You can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community. Pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live when we record it every week. And we also have our monthly Minecraft audio hangout coming out on the last day of June when we'll be talking to everybody about what they've been doing in Minecraft 1.20. Lots of screenshots coming, I am sure. We currently have 308 patrons, uh, which is up three from last week. Thank you so much to the three of you who have hopped on board. And I think with a new Minecraft update released, it is the ideal time to join our community. The discussion is not overwhelming, even though we have 300 or so patrons. They're not all in the Discord, and those that are are pretty good at giving everybody some space to talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, special thanks go out to our content engineers, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, Party Voyager, and Yitz. Thank you so much for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. A personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast. Just tell a friend about The Spawn Chunks and that you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Honestly, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find The Spawn Chunks. Be sure to leave a rating or a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at the spawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixlriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixlriffs, where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently in its third season. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series. A little bit of new life uh, is going to go up on there as well. And I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixlriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online is linked at joelduggan.com, including The Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream every day but Monday. Lego on Fridays, we started the Ghostbusters Afterlife Ecto-1 this past week. Super, super cool build. And of course, Minecraft and Satisfactory the rest of the time. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Just give it a sniff. <laughs>